kid. Keith, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's play ball. So let's just get this one right out of the way. You are well known for your sprint and slide coming to the All-Star game. When did you decide that you were going to do that and why? Okay, first of all, that year, Dustin Petroia and Derek Jeter just came back from injury from their the Red Sox and Yankees probably about two, three weeks prior to the All-Star selections. And that was the time the Yankees and Red Sox were like huge rival and everybody was talking about them for the last couple of years. And I got nominated and I said to my team, I said, I want to bring fun back to baseball. We got to bring fun back to baseball. Since the All-Star game, a couple of years prior to this game, there was that tie in Milwaukee and fans kind of, they're like, players don't really care. They're not really uh, trying to win. They're just there for their bonuses. They don't really care. Um, they don't even want to go. So one of my kids was watching Angels in the outfield as I have four of them. And I saw that guy slide into the mound and walk around the mound, do some weird stuff. And I didn't think of it. And then I went to batting practice later that day. And one of our teammates, his name was Anthony Bass. He's a relief pitcher. It dawned on me and the angels in the outfield, the guy that slid on the mound, his last name was Bass, you know, on his Jersey. So I, I kind of came over there right then and there. And I told my teammates my bullpen and they were like, dude, you're crazy. So then anyway, I decided to go do it. And then I go to the all-star game and I tell Pablo Sandoval, a friend of mine. And I said, Hey, what if I slide in the all-star game? And when I come in, and he's like, oh, that'd be hilarious. Do it. But then Bochi was our manager, and he gave his inspirational speech right before the game. Like, if we we would have not, the Giants wouldn't have won the World Series last year if we didn't have home field advantage. This game means serious, blah, blah. So that kind of inspired me. So I'm like, I'm not going to do it. So then the game starts, and I think I come in in the seventh, eighth inning to face one guy. There was two outs. And uh, I put my head down. I sprint in. Didn't even know the camera guy was behind me. If I would have known that, I would have done primetime Deion Sanders where I look back, uh, but it didn't happen because I didn't even know he was there. And then I always pick my head up at the dirt. And if you look on the YouTube channel and watch me do it, I slow up when I get to the dirt. And then I sped up when I got to the grass because I wasn't planning on doing it because of Bochi, but I didn't never told Pablo this. And then I ran in, I put my head up as I normally do when I hit the infield dirt. And Pablo's like getting everybody out of the way, arms to the side to side, going, get out of the way, get out of the way. So I'm like, crap, I got to do it now. So then I sped up and slid and Boach looked at me and gave me the ball. Which, shit, I got two of these guys. And then Molina started busting up laughing. He goes, let's go. And and the funny part is Brian Wilson, if you remember with the Giants, the, uh, they called him the freak back then with his long beard. And he did weird things. I wasn't trying to st- take anything from him because he actually closed that game out. But that's what Bochi was saying about, like, I got two of these guys. So that's kind of the story behind it all. And so here really quick is I, I, was, I retired, and I thought it was a pretty good closer, pretty good reliever. And then I got every, when I retired, it seemed like, oh, hey, you're the guy that slid the All-Star game. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, well, I actually was a pretty good pitcher, but nobody knew me as a pretty good pitcher. And then at the first year, I was kind of like bummed out, kind of like disappointed and not happy about the slide because that's what the people knew of me. But then it kind of realized I could have been a really good pitcher and I've never did that one slide. Nobody really remembered me. So it kind of, it grew on me and 
I'm kind of known as the slide guy and I embrace it and I love it now. So, and occasional little league games or charity events, they uh, come in and they want me to slide if I talk or something like that. And occasionally I do, but I don't do it that often. So you went on to become a three-time All-Star and won awards for reliever of the year. How are you able yeah. to do such great things during your career? Well, here's the thing. I was never an All-Star in Little League when I was a kid. In the minor leagues, never an All-Star. Never. I made varsity baseball my senior year because I had to be on varsity because I was a senior. I just kept working really hard. I really think I'm a regular guy that worked his butt off and accomplished his dream. Um, never thought I would make an all-star team. You know, I just tried to be the best pitcher I could possibly be for my team and help my team win and uh, do whatever it took to help the team win because that was the ultimate goal. And if I did that, I always imagined that I would be a good pitcher. And I always wanted to be the guy that fans loved. If I was a fan, I would want to be that guy because he's friendly, he's sociable, he talks, he's nice, he's funny, he's quirky. I just wanted to be me and that's who I wanted to be. And I was very blessed and fortunate to make the all-star team three times in a row. And then the funny part is that when I got traded to San Diego in 07, I almost made the all-star team. I was the alternate. Then the next year, Joe Torrey was the manager. And he told Bud Black that was, uh, I think he was one of the coaches. They went to Yankee Stadium and uh, said that, don't worry. I set up guys, don't make the all-star team, but one day you're going to be a closer and you're going to make it. So in theory, the way things go nowadays, like if I would have played nowadays, I might've made it five years in a row because they take middle relief guys. They take setup guys. But when I was playing, they really never took, they never took middle relief guys. It was always closers. And then they, the, the team that won the world series the previous year would slowly, they would take their setup guy, but it would kind of ruin somebody else. And then how they do it now is they usually have to help out. They, you make the all-star team as a starter. They start you the game before or that weekend before the all-star and say, okay, you can't perform in the game. So we have to bring some other pitcher here. So it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of politics now. Um, and I, and I, I'd love to make the all-star, I'd love to make the all-star team. And I'm very appreciated and very honored to make it because my peers picked me where, you know, the position players, the starters are basically picked from fans. So if you're just really a fan favorite, you get picked if you're, even if you're not an all-star that year. But I was always picked by my peers, so I was always happy and honored, and it was the coolest thing in the world I ever thought. It's kind of like making the Hall of Fame for me. So what are the things you did to develop as an elite pitcher throwing 94 to 98 that you wish you saw more kids doing today? You know, I, I was very fortunate to have like Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox as my teammates and Pedro Martinez. And I would talk to them and like Greg Maddox used to say, hey, do you try to throw your fastball at the same speed every time? And I go, no, I try to mix it up. And he goes, good, because you could throw 100 miles an hour every pitch and eventually the hitters will catch up to it. But if you throw 94, 98, 92, 96, um, they, they'll know your fastball is coming, but they won't be able to time it. So I always tried to do that aspect. And I'm, I'm a guy that I, my first half of my career, I threw my average fastball was 93.9. And I looked at this at the end of my career and the second half of my career, my average fastball was 93.3. So it really never changed much, but I could kick it up. And I looked and I did not know this until my last year is I threw 100 miles an hour at least once every month in my whole career that I never knew. I never thought I hit 100. But I was the guy that could 
I could harness, if I needed that extra fastball, I could get that extra fastball. You know, I didn't, if the crowds were in there in a great, yeah, that would help me out. But if I didn't need, I never needed the crowds to like pump me up and make me throw harder. But I was that guy that grew up throwing fastballs. And then sometimes like Nolan Ryan said, if he's found it off, try to try to throw harder. And, um, I just worked really hard to master my mechanics and everything where I think nowadays guys get personal trainers when they're nine, 10, 11, 12, and man, they're tip top shape and they throw harder nowadays, but they don't last as long. And I think that's because they're one dimensional athletes. They didn't try to play multiple sports. They probably couldn't throw a football and they'd probably break their arm if they threw sidearm just to joke around. Nowadays, it's got a lot of guys. I really think nowadays, a lot of guys are throwers, not pitchers. So, and my day, there were a lot of pitchers. I mean, you, you couldn't just throw hard and get people out. You could do it once in a while and then eventually people would hit you. So. Your son Reese is a junior in high school and hopes to, to continue his baseball career past high school. What are some of the things that you tell him in order to help him reach that goal? Well, I mean, sons never listen to their dads, but I tell them all the time that I know how hard it was. I spent eight years in the minor leagues before I got 11 years in the big leagues. So it's just, you got to work hard. You, you got to work harder than anybody at practice. Then you got to work harder at home. And then because you're always not, you're not trying to work, the, you're trying to outwork everybody. And because not always the most talented guys make it, not the most talented guys, you know, move up. It's the guys with the dedication are willing to work hard. It's kind of like, it's going to be weird to explain this, but like my son wants to do what I did. But is he, or other people want to be in the big leagues, other kids. They want to do what I do, what I, what I did or what I do but are they willing to do what I did to get there? Like I used to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and go to the gym three different times a day. I, in the off season, I worked a graveyard shift at UPS unloading boxes off a trailer from like 12 o'clock to six o'clock. Then I would go to the gym, go to bed, sleep, then go work at Costco and push carts. But I pushed carts as fast as I could because I was trying to strengthen my legs. I used to run football stadiums, sprint up. I did all this, throw long toss every day in the rain. If we went to the snow as a family, I would try to bring a ball and throw it. Work on my mechanics every day because this is what I wanted to do where everybody sees me as a major league baseball player and doing well at the all-star game or whatever it was, but they didn't see all the dedication and hard work that I did where I showed up you know, as seven o'clock game, I showed up the field at 1230. I stretched out with the trainers. I worked out, I stretched out with the trainers about 30, 40 minutes and got, I would say a massage, whatever it was. But when I say massage, it did not feel good until they stopped rubbing me and I got off the table. It was one of those deep tissue massages where it hurts and you're like, oh, you know, and, but then I would go work out and then I'd run. I used to run like four to five miles a day. And I was always a big guy and everybody's like, Oh, you're fat and overweight, but I was in really good shape. And, um, for a seven o'clock game. And then during batting practice, I would sprint as I was an outfielder, just shag balls. I just went stand around. I would sprint and run after those balls as hard as I could. And I would watch video and study hitters and pay attention. And I did so much homework as I called it 
just so I could go out there and perform and give my chance, give myself a best chance where young guys would get called up. And they're like, yeah, it's easy when you're throwing 98 miles an hour. And I'm like, there's a lot of work putting into this just to get to that, you know, where I don't think kids realize how much work, like, um, I know Tatis Jr. just signed with the Padres for millions of dollars, hundreds of millions. I don't think they realize how much work he's put in. I know his dad, Tatis Sr., how much work, how much, how many times he was in the batting cage. I mean, he probably lived in the batting cage his teen years. He probably was in there for two to three hours a day swinging. I know Latin players like Dominicans and Venezuelans that I know that would pick up, they'd have a stick or a broomstick, cut it off and hit rocks all day long. So, but now we have video games. We have this, we have our technology, social media. We have girls. I didn't really, I never really had a girlfriend. I mean, I had a few, but not really anything, probably longer than a month or two in high school. And even my friends in high school were like, you're always at the field. You're not even on varsity. Why are you doing this? And then when I made it, they're like, man, I wish I would have worked hard as you back then. So even though I wasn't good when I was younger, I never let that deter me. And I always just kept working harder and harder and just trying to prove myself, not to the coaches, to me, and just show everybody I could do it. And I wasn't always a pitcher. I played just about every position. I loved the game. And I would play any position anywhere. I'd play on really bad teams. If a good team wanted me and, you know, I would always learn and not everybody was willing to do the work to get to the accomplishment. They just see us in the big leagues and go, man, I want to be like him, but they don't know all the sweat, blood and tears that we go through. So this past year, you coached one of the action high school teams. You seem to have created a unique clubhouse culture, even filling some fun TikToks with them. I'm sure (laughs) some people will be shocked to hear that, but how do you feel this helped the players? Well, see, here's the thing. Baseball is a unique sport. It's unique as in it's an individual sport, but it's also a team sport. You can't, if you have the best player, that doesn't mean you're going to win. You got to come together. I think the, the best player on the team is your worst player on the team because the worst player on the team, everybody's got to build him up and help him get better. And then somebody else is worse. Then you, then it's all, it's always a revolving door, you know, and you got to build that chemistry. So everybody is into it. Cause if you're playing over, you know, if I'm playing first and Johnny's behind me, Johnny's not going to like me. But if we play together as a team and I don't do well, Johnny's not trying to take my position, but he's just trying to help the team win. Yeah, secretly, deep down, he wants to play more and he wants to play over me. But I don't want him to play over me, so I'm going to work harder. But at the end of the day, you got to remember, this is a game. And in the major leagues, you have adult playing a kid's game. Like my dad used to say, as soon as this becomes like a job, and you're not having fun doing it, like a job that you don't love to do, it's time to hang it up and time to retire. So that's what I try to bring that. It's a fun, it's a game. And I also try to tell the parents and try to tell the kids, like, you guys are still kids. Yeah, you, you act like adults, you want to be adults, but you're not yet. And you got to have fun playing this game. It, you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eat you away, especially as a teenager, if you just put everything you have into it and you're not having fun doing it. If you put everything you have into it and you just love it, then yeah, go ahead and do that. But if you're not loving it, you know, it's not. And then sometimes you just need fun. You just need to have some fun sometimes. So that's kind of what I bring. I coach differently than every other coach. I could probably win just about every game if I was, excuse my French, like a hard ass, like other people and just cared about winning. 
but I care about developing kids, making them the best and making them learn from their mistakes and not, not as like Joe Madden used to say, the kids nowadays are a bunch of robots. They don't know how to shift. They don't know how to get people out. They don't know how to read swings. They don't know what to do. They just listen to coach and do what coach tells them to do. Well, I, I can do that. But then when I, like, if I was teaching somebody to pitch and I was calling every single pitch, he'd probably do great. But he, what if I'm not there? Like I would tell all my pitchers in high school, I'm not going to be there. So I want you to learn how to fix your mechanics when I'm not there. I want you to know if you're consistently high, what are you probably doing wrong? If you're consistently pulling off, what are you doing wrong? You know, and you do need other pitching coaches to help you out, to remind you some things. But like, if you're always throwing the ball high and you're just like, I can't get it down. I can't get it down. Well, I want to teach you. Yeah, you can get down. You probably need to stay back to get your arm out of your glove or arm up into the right spot. I want you to know that you shouldn't be trying to steal third base with two outs late in the game when your three hole is up to bat, one of your best hitters. You know, there's no reason because if he gets a base hit, you can score. Um, but I want you to know why you're doing these things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So a lot of coaches don't don't teach that. They're like, well, I'm gonna call every call every pitch because I know what to do. Like if if a guy, if you're throwing fastballs and he's fouling them off, he's fouling them off. Why would you throw a curveball? Because you just sped up his bat. You know, like if you're gonna throw a curveball, you got to throw in the dirt. You got to bounce it. You got to make sure he does not hit it. But if you learn from your mistakes, you're actually smarter than if somebody just tells you your mistakes all the time and you never learn from it. If somebody tells you to do something all the time, you're kind of like a robot, what Joe Madden used to say, and they don't learn. They're not watching the game, learning from the game like I did growing up. We had to watch. And now nowadays, it's all about, well, what does my coach tell me to do? No. What would you do in this situation? So... Anyway, go ahead. During practices, you shared some golden nuggets on how to be a better player and pitcher, including practicing your spin of a, of a ball while laying in bed. What are some of your other favorite tips to share? Uh, my favorite tip to share, and my, my kid hates this, playing catch. People play catch correctly and they play catch wrong. So here's the thing, like hitters can work on hitting every day. I think pitchers can work on pitching every day. And I would say 99% of coaches say, no, that's not right. And I go, so you never have a, a hitter play catch every day? Because when you play catch, you're, you're working on your mechanics. You're working on your control. You're working on your accuracy. You don't, and everything leads off the fastball. So you don't need to throw your changeup all the time or your curveball every day. You don't need to because if you're throwing your fastball all the time exactly where you want it, then all it is is a different grip. It's not a different arm angle. It's not a different spin on the ball. I mean, it's different spin, but it's just a different grip. Keep pitching simple. If you grip it this way, it's a curveball. If you grip it this way, it's a slider. If you grip it this way, it's a changeup. You grip it this way, it's a fastball. If you grip this. Now, as soon as you start mastering that, then we can work on like finger pressure and, and wrist placement, this and that. But if you try to throw all that together, that's when guys get hurt. And that's when, especially kids, young kids, they don't, they don't understand that, you know, where you can play catch every day and you're working on pitching and half the battle is just throwing the ball where you want it. So that's my biggest tip is play catch the right way. Play catch with a purpose. Don't just throw the ball just to throw the ball. 
So what are some of the lessons from baseball that translated into your success after baseball? Uh, hard work, dedication, um, never get too high, never get too low. Um, and then, um, Yogi Berry used to say, best thing about baseball is there's a game tomorrow. When you have a bad day, hey, there's another day tomorrow. So, um, yeah, life lessons like that. So on this podcast, I like to end with a funnier question. So what was your favorite walk-up song? Well, the song I used or my favorite walk-up song? Favorite walk-up song. Like my, when I came out to pitch or something? Whatever. Your favorite, whatever you want to say is your favorite walk-up song. I want to hear it. Okay, so my 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 coming out song was Blow Me Away from Breaking Benjamin, but it wasn't actually out there. It uh, was um, my trainer in AAA stole it. It was from Halo 2 soundtrack, but when you could like Napster, you could steal songs for free and stuff. He got it and he goes, hey, when, the, when you ever get to the big leagues and you got to play this. So it was Blow Me Away from Breaking Benjamin. It kind of worked out perfect. And I love that song. It's awesome. It's amazing. Um, in San Diego, they did a music video with the movie 300. It was really cool. But my really top favorite that might just edge it out just a tad is when I was in the minor leagues, um, I'm kind of a jokester. Um, there's a disco song from the 70s, uh, Ring My Bell. And it goes like, ring my bell. Anyway, you got to hear it. And um, the funny part is I played it as kind of a joke, you know, like ring Heath Bell, you know, go out and hit balls off where I was dominating. And I told my teams, like, I got a great song. They're like, this is horrible. This is like, this is like the other team's going to hit you. They never did. But the funny part is every time I went on the road, this happened for three straight years in the minors. The other, when I came in for the save, when I was on the road, that's the song they'd play for me to try to like, oh, we're going to ring Mr. Bell out there. So, and my team started getting it. Like they don't even understand that's his song. You know, when you go to hit our home stadium, that's the song he plays for himself. You're like doing a favor for him. You know how like um, they go, want, want, want when somebody hits or something like that. Yeah. Well, what if you came at home and you're up to bat and always went want, want, want or something you know, that other teams would play to make you feel bummed out or, you know, upset. But that's the song you played for yourself all the time. So Ring My Bell would probably be my favorite song that etched out a little bit, just barely um, by a hair, blow me away from Breaking Benjamin. Keith, thank you so much for playing ball. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.